cow, guys. It's what it's been a whole week since the last one. Oh we dear, yeah, it's been yeah. A, uh, an entire week. Usually, when we publish once a week, that would be the cadence of only speaking once a week on in this platform. But you know, I I, I think it was earlier than a week, though. Either way, it's it doesn't really matter. It's not relevant to the format. Thank you. I mean, thank you for joining us and Free Range American, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guys. We're enjoying this. You guys this have matching good. hats. And I do want to start this off as well. I had someone on my stream last night go, why the hell did you not tell me on the podcast that you guys published to YouTube? So if you're listening on any of the other platforms, you can go to YouTube and actually see the video. So if you'd like to look at, um, you know, or, or ugly faces while you watch your listen to the podcast, you can do that as well. And I don't know. Everybody's pretty good looking other than me. You know, I'm kind of the, you're not bad looking at it. You're actually a pretty handsome dude. You're just fat. Well, I, that's what I mean. Like now <laughs> that I'm growing my hair long, I realize I have to lose weight. Otherwise people are going to call me Ron Jeremy. Yeah. I, I, or just like the fat, creepy, long haired dude. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be that, you know, the yeah. slow trans almost looking. That's okay though. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I'm, I'm wearing, I'm wearing our special edition shirt too. That's only available for another week or so. So you might want to go right. get it now. You know, here's an interesting thing about you being morbidly <laughs> obese. Uh, when you were in the military, when you guys were in the military, did they still have the, you know, your senior NCOs could like slap chow out of people's hands and, like be really nasty towards fatties. Oh, we absolutely were like that all the time. Like yeah. if you were if you were dumpy and in and down in one of our rooms, like you got made fun of a lot. Like they called my buddy Moobs for like four years. Yeah, hazing was still cool <laughs> when I was in. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, hazing's not cool anymore. Um, which I think a little bit of hazing goes goes a long way. I, I feel like I've I, hazed plenty of times. I want to challenge you on this right here because I hate, I hate that word. What we faced is yes, not, it's not hazing. hazing. It's not hazing. It's not hazing. You are you are you are being held accountable because you are required to hold a standard to do the job that we're there to do. And when when you're being put in positions where you're doing physical activity, whether it's because of punishment or because you need a little extra motivation, that's not hazing. I, I completely agree with that. Hazing to me would be like stripping a private down in front of the whole platoon naked and like spraying with ice cold water. That's yeah, like yeah, or like, like the, <laughs> yeah. the baseball team down in Miami that was like holding dudes down and jerking them off. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which, yeah. <laughs> depending. What about shoving a private in between two mattresses and throwing them off a two-story building? No. I mean, that's a rite to passage. That's no. just, that's just drunk good fun times. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think there probably is a fine line between hazing and just general indoctrination in a way where you have to go through this. Everyone has to go through the, the entire cycle. But I, I completely remember when you had fat kids and that's, I mean, that's what they were called. So I'm not making it a derogatory term. It's like, Hey, fat kid. Hey, fatty, you know, and they would take them out of one child line, put them in another child line and they would only scoop onto their plates what they felt was healthy and appropriate based on the American food pyramid, which was typically rice. <laughs> so you're just like <laughs> filling up fat kids with like more and more carbohydrates. I don't know if that necessarily worked, but it was definitely, it wasn't even, it, I, you can't even say it was in vogue. It was the standard and yeah. you were berated. It, mm -hmm. it, if you were, if you were chunky, it was, 
it, it was really a bad I, time for I you. I feel like that's fine though, right? Like it's not, you're not fat shaming someone just that wants to live that lifestyle. That's totally fine. That's their own individual right. But if you're signing up to be like an infantryman, like you got to bring your fucking A game like, and like be physically fit. I'm completely in line with that method of thinking. Even as a senior E5, when I was an instructor, like I, I started slipping a little bit and I had like a, a pretty shitty O course time. They brought that up in a staff meeting for eight months. Like every time we had the staff meeting, my O course time would be up there and like, did I oh. get it down or not? Like, <laughs> was, were you fat back then? You no, no, it? I just, I just, you know, I started drinking a lot. Oh. <laughs> Have you guys ever been hazed before? I think the only time that I could probably say, I mean, I've been fucked up a bunch and I think because Ranger Battalion used to be pretty, pretty rough and guys, I'm sure way rougher in the nineties before I got there, but yeah. When I showed up to battalion, everybody was deployed other than a couple of dudes that got back from ranger school. And I'm still friends with some of the guys that did this, but they got hammered drunk and woke us up at like, and I've only been there for like four or five days before we deployed. So I was like, I'd do anything because, you know, you're terrified. Um, they woke us up like three in the morning, hammered and smoked us for like five hours until the morning for no reason. And then just like, we're like throwing beers at us and all this shit. And I was like, that's a little excessive. Like, and I didn't fuck up or anything, but at the same time, I'm new there. I kind of deserved to get slapped on the wrist a little bit. I think there's a general misinterpretation between hazing and preparing people for War. this. Yeah. yeah. So w w at any point in time, you have to be prepared to put out, right? So it doesn't matter. There is no safe sanctuary unless you're on leave in your home. And I think there's, there are psychological benefits to essentially training men like that. But, once again, there is a fine line between what you'd probably be considered hazing. Cause I'd heard stories about guys getting put in sleeping bags and hung out of windows and all that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that too. Like, that's just dangerous. You might let's, break somebody's neck doing that. We might, we might piss some people off with this, but let's go down that rabbit hole for a quick second. I, I think this whole sensitivity thing, a part of the military is a massive transgression. Like it's a volunteer army right now. And if you're signing up to go be an infantryman, you should get your shit kicked in. Like yeah. we need to make the toughest military out there. It'd be like me pulling out a card that says I'm, I'm fucking triggered. And I'm stressed. I, I'm stressed. Like, no, I signed up to be a ranger. Like I better like be put to the most utmost test possible to condition me to be in a fucking special operations unit, you know, and, and even on being an infantryman or being someone that's put on the front lines. Like I, I feel so we, ridiculous. we broke a We broke a guy's hand once, uh, on accident, but, so he was, he showed up a leg and when you show up, you have to carry your cherry helmet. Well, because he didn't go to airborne school yet, we made him carry a, a bowling ball that was like the orb of woe. And he put it in his backpack and then got dropped for push ups, and it came out of his, his bag Ooh. and smashed his wrist. Yeah. Well, you didn't throw it at him. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. part of the game. Whatever. What about you guys? Cause you were in, you came in what year? I'm going to put a light on oh, seven. No, I, everything that I went through, I would chalk up as just physical training. You know, there's there's the the thing they do when you get Lance Corporal, you get you get pinned. Yeah, where they right put the, put the insignia on, you get right a little. There. Well, little everybody everybody does everybody does that, right? When I got my CIB, my Combat Infantry Badge, you have all your teammates that already had one come by and hit you as far as they can. And I mean, my chest was just bruised for like a week after that, and bloody and everything. Yeah, and that's just becoming part of the tribe. That's no, I thought that was awesome. I don't think that's hazing. I I, yeah. I loved it. I was like, I earned my shit. Yeah, and a lot of the you know 
physical therapy that we would have to endure. So it's like, that's, that's why you joined to be in the military is to do stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like it's just preparing you for the eventual craziness that you're going to go through in a couple of months. Was it, was that, was that a real thing though? Back in the day, I, I was hearing these rumors where you could put out, you, you had stress cards in the, in basic training that you could pull out and say, I'm too stressed out. I can't take anymore. And there are rumors about that. I don't know. If is it's, that a real you know, thing or a rumor? I don't, I don't know if anybody's ever proved it. No, I, I think in some basic trainings, I heard that that was an actual thing, but that's, you know, unsubstantiated. I, I don't know. You should Google that Logan. Yeah. I'm on it. Yeah. Hot, hot Logan's going to get on that Google, but I, I think you're right because the, if you're training for the most politically incorrect thing in, in known necessarily to, to organized humanity, which is war, you, you really, I don't think there's any room for people to be triggered, right? You no, can't be no. triggered. <laughs> it's not, I mean, it's not a thing. You can't be but, triggered like, Oh, you offended me. Really? That, well, that I, that IED or that RPG fucking screaming at you at three o'clock in the morning, that might trigger you too, pal. So why don't you get over it? Well, yeah. it just becomes this social stupidity kind of thing. Because if you think about it, it's like, to be an MIT graduate, an engineer from MIT, you have to pass your finals at a certain level. So it's like, right. but but then we're going to say that in order for you to do one of the most stressful jobs possible to go to war, you're allowed to say, I need a timeout because I'm stressed out. Like, get the fuck out of here. You're not you're not living up to the standard of what you need to be. Literally every military like selection course is based around those two fundamental things, mental and physical fatigue. And then you put them together and it makes this fuck show of, you know, hardship. And obviously there's different levels to that. But if it's a volunteer army, I think it should be super hard. Yeah, super hard. I agree. Like yeah, real and a hard. little bit nasty. Yeah. Right. It's like it, it has to be it has to be hard and a little bit a little bit nasty. I think people have to get a little rough. They gotta be a little bit mean. I mean, they gotta, try, you to, they gotta try to expose your weaknesses. I think that's one of the things with the community is you have to have Thick skin. Yeah, for sure. If you don't have thick skin, man, you're not going to you're not going to survive. Mm -hmm. People people sense weakness, and and we used to always say that. Start pulling the sweater. Weakness, and the entire group turns to identify and attack the weakness. That's that's exactly what I've seen over and over and over again. And you know, twenty years, it was just find the weakness. And then typically what would happen is the person would just adapt to whatever they were, they were being triggered by or whatever their perceived slight was. They would just adapt and move over it. They'd just be like, Oh fuck it. I don't even know why I was so triggered by that. Yeah. But I don't, I never understood the kind of physical attributes, like how, how long it took the military to finally be okay with tattoos and facial hair and stuff like that. Because look at this psychological aspect of this. If the entire special operations community look like a biker gang and the president just has to go, Hey, you want me to send these guys over these, these big bearded tatted dudes that are rough as fuck. Like this is our, this is our force. Well, yeah. Well, I think there's a level of, of, uh, uh, craziness and exploration associated with people that want to be in those units. Right. Like even, even the infantry, you have to be a little nutty in the head to be like, Give me a gun and I want to go run at bullets. Like you're obviously going to be an adventurous person that takes calculated risks. And like, that's, that's part of the psychology that makes these warriors so good 
And I think it's so funny when the DOD and other people like try to criticize that. Like, oh yeah. man, those tattoos, you can't have it. It's like, yeah, it's wait, like wait, what? The, the, you're sending this dude with a 240 <laughs> Bravo to <laughs> Afghanistan to hike fucking 20 miles and get shot to at. Go kill, to go kill people. people. They, yeah. You designated needed killing. Let the dude have a forehead tat that says, you know, death before dishonor. Let, yeah. let the fucking 19-year-old kid do that, man. Jeez Louise. If that, yeah, if that gives him the confidence, like, that makes them feel fucking good in that situation. Fuck it. Who cares? Well, psychologically, they're pretty much being a part of a tribe. I mean, that's right. It's a culture that's built yeah. in there. It's why a lot of military guys have tattoos because you go out and get them together after night of drink and yada yada. And it's like that. It builds that tribe mentality, which applies to going overseas. It's this together. arbitrary uh, image of professionalism. I mean, I remember being scolded for having hiking boots. In 2005, oh, those aren't those aren't issued boots. It's like, yeah, but my unit issued them to me, and they're better than these giant fucking goof boots that you guys give us. Like, but it's not professional. Tell, That's tell why your, I good. Tell your sock story, Logan. Oh, oh yeah, my sock story. Yeah, yeah, was it white socks or something? Oh, oh yeah. So this all this stems from um, I actually made it into a reg, regiment PowerPoint because uh, our Regiment colonel swung by our patrol base one day. Where, where was this patrol base? And uh, well, explain the the conditions there. Just explain it. So we had been getting in gunfights just about every day for two or three months at this point, and we were pretty much isolated. We were on the western edge of the battlefront, and pretty much just you know started going savage. We cut off our pants. We were wearing flip-flops around to go to bay or to go to the guard tower, stuff like that. Because we, at that point, realized the most important thing in our survival. lives was just survival. <laughs> yeah, survival. Yeah. 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 You know, we didn't really care about shaving or cutting our hair or any of that stuff. We were just worried about staying alive and killing the enemy at that point. Well, the colonel shows up and he puts us all in formation and he begins to tell us that the reason that we're losing our legs and the reason guys are dying is because we're not cutting our hair and we're not shaving our faces and we're wearing white socks. So yeah. What's uh, this colonel's then, name? I want to shame him. No. <laughs> no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Thanks though, Jared. Uh, but <clears throat> he specifically looked at the the section of snipers I was with, and he made us get in a group and take a picture of us together. And, you know, we didn't look very good in this picture, obviously, but this made it in a PowerPoint that was briefed back to Washington, and it's the group of us, and on the caption it says, Stay Team Zero, Porn Star Stashes, Combat Sneakers, what a prize. <laughs> so wow. one of the guys in our section, they actually – removed him and they put him on guard duty at the main fob this guy had been to iraq three different times was had one of the some of the most experienced in, in our section and they just took him away from us in the heat of you know some of the most intense combat that we experienced oh this is i mean this falls right in line with his message of fucking fucked up officers that don't have a fucking clue what 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 they need to be doing out there yeah so they you know, the the regiment kind of has this big cycle that they go through throughout Helmand Province and comes back a few months later. You know, things are still pretty dicey. And, and so the story goes is that uh, this colonel, he came back and he went on patrol and this Afghan came up and, you know, just happened to be able to have the ability to pick up a rock and smash the colonel in the nose. 
And, you know, that Afghan didn't live very long. But <clears throat> so the colonel goes back to uh, see the corpsman, and he's a little pissed off. And he's like, I want, I want my medevac moved up to an urgent. And the corpsman's like, well, sir, if, if you want to get an urgent, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to do a complete physical. You're going to have to completely strip down. So as the story goes, uh, in the process of stripping down, the colonel was wearing white socks. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Lead by example. <laughs> He's speechless. <laughs> no, it's one of my favorite stories. It's one of my favorite stories. I think that, I, I, I think that everybody, you know, because that, that story has the entire story arc, right? It, yeah. It's just an, it, Happy it's ending. a big example to you know, leading by example or however we want to really kind of frame that up. Well, I think that's the, that's a large part, right? And, you know, there's amazing officers out there. So I'm not discrediting, yeah. but there's, the, there's, that's a large part of leadership, which is the issues. They don't get to know the guys, the struggles that they face, face because they're in a completely different perspective and bubble than them. And I've had that too, where I've had a sergeant major come in and be like, you guys have to blouse your boots until you're outside the wire. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? We're like yeah. a special operations unit. And it, but it's like, you're focusing on the shit that doesn't matter rather than being like, okay, blouse your boots when you go to the chow hall or in front, in front of the big army. Okay, got it. Like that, that's a happy medium. You can defend that. But I think it's just a complete wrong lens of um, action with, with no understanding of what actually impacts the guys in a, in a positive way. Yeah, and that, that element of discipline, like it doesn't have any direct effect with how you operate from a combat perspective, right? It has nothing to do with it. It was actually one of the main things in Generation Kill, too, was that the sergeant major was, was a stickler on the mustache. mustache. Yeah. So he comes back and, and later in that book and that sh- that series comes like, well, that's why I was so hard on guys' mustaches because it need we need to take their mind off of what's going on and embrace discipline. It's like, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No. I don't know. I've I've thought about that, that a lot. And I think my theory on that, which is just my my theory, right, is I think uniform standards are easy. They're they're just easy to enforce. They're they're yes. easy to yeah, just go they're high, easy high order. To see. Yeah, you, you can identify it, you can fix it, you know. So it makes I you see, feel like you're doing something. Yeah. So I see a lot of at least I, I've seen and witnessed a lot of senior NCOs and officers, they they decide to choose that path because the complexities of leading men in combat are so psychologically difficult that if they focus on the things that they can read in a manual and that they can fix or enforce, they feel like they're doing something and then they feel like, they've directly contributed to the success of the force somehow, right? It's a psychological reinforcing issue. That's exactly what I was saying, but not even close as articulated. It's like, you don't know what to do. So yeah, the thing yeah, that you do is I'll yell about the AR, you know, yeah, yeah. it's low. AR 670 10, I believe you know, that, yeah, that like Colonel that. nor that Sergeant major, like did, did they go around and did they talk to any, any of the enlisted guys from, from the privates that were there up to the corporals were like, Hey, what's going on guys? Like, why are you guys, why we guys perceived to be struggling upon the initial presence here and, and like, how are you adapting? Like there was no conversations like that. There was no back and forth as opposed to like how we were doing operationally and how we needed to change our TTPs in order to be efficient. There there was nothing that was just immediately, Hey, we're making an example of you and we're taking one of your best guys. And it's like, how, how does that make any sense from a leadership perspective? 
Yeah. I got real lucky though. I had some great, great officers, like phenomenal. I had a good PLs. I had a, an exo. Well, you don't survive over there if you're not good, right? True. Right. Yeah. No, I've, I had one PL get fired. He showed up, gave us, um, an op order. And then the next day we're like, where's the PL at? And then it was just a platoon sergeant being the ground force commander. <laughs> it's kind of hushly, you know, quietly went away. I had an XO that was like, I think he was an E six or seven enlisted in Ranger Bata- battalion and then came over as an officer. That dude was a fucking stud. Damn. I think those are always the best. They are. They are. They, yeah. You know, it depends, I guess. I've had great officers. One of my best friends, he was, he's West Point grad officer. You know, multiple, I guess I should say, really, really good friends that are, that were great officers and not just because they were my friends. I've had people that I didn't personally like, but they were good officers. And, uh, you know, I, I that's, it, it, it's not me just saying that to kind of pacify everyone. It's just, you know, people are cut from different cloth. And honestly, I don't think that you can change a person's DNA. I think if you're a good guy, yeah. You have sound ethics and you're intelligent and you're trying to do the, do the hard right over the easy wrong. You know, I, one of my favorite sayings that I just made up a few years ago is standing next to the microwave for a couple of years isn't going to change your DNA. You're still a shitbag. And <laughs> it doesn't matter what rank you put on your collar. If you're yeah. a shitbag, you're a shitbag. And if you're a good dude, you're a good dude. And that's where I think the special operations community you, you you really have a benefit when you when you make entry into the tribe, you get to be around a bunch of guys that feel very similar to you. You're mission oriented. You're committed to uh, you know, accomplishing very complex tasks, and a lot of the arbitrary bullshit just gets chopped out. And that all that white noise just gets chopped out. That was one of I think one of the most driving factors to go into the community was. I wanted to be around guys that were just as committed as I was. And I didn't want to be around the guys that were just the uh, looky-loo vacationers that, you know, were trying to pay for college or whatever the fuck they were trying to do. Like, hey, man, I want to be a professional soldier. So where do you yeah, go? It's it's so true with that. And I think I, one of the weirdest things for me is because I was such a child and then going into Ranger Battalion and then after, you know, you're pretty much gauging your own self against all these like iconic epic dudes that are like jacked, smart, intelligent war fighters, like, and gals too. And then you remove yourself from that community and you're like, Oh, these are what normal people like. I thought right. that was normal. And you're, you're kind of in retrospect, so blown away by the, the amount of just like, I wouldn't say excellence, but just amazing humans that are, that are a part of that. And I mean, they exist in other places in the world, but I think that's a part, it applies to every aspect of your life, whether that's business, your friends, you know, it's like we always say psychology is more contagious than the flu. And it's like who you hang around with definitely influences how you're going to act, um, whether it's your job or just friends. And it's really interesting to see that the older I get, like how much the fucking people around you matter. Yeah, not fucking the people around you. Right? Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I know that could be misinterpreted with my you know, previous lifestyle. I was reading a book actually on like, child development, and they were talking about how the uh, a child's friends, so their peer group, at a certain point become more influential in their lives than their parents. So. Yeah. It's so interesting to me because you think back to that time, you know, especially with kids, you're, I'm always thinking back to what were my parents doing or what was I doing? 
think back and I was so fortunate to have a couple really good friends that were good dudes, right? I'm still friends with them today. I was talking to my, my, my one of my best friends. We met on the first day of first grade. We're on a text ring with three other people for, that we've known for, you know, I was six years old then. So, you know, almost 40 years of friendship. And these guys are still solid contributing to their community. They're just, they're just fucking good guys. I think I was really just fortunate to land within a good peer group where we all kind of kept each other relatively straight, right? Like standard teenage antics. Like I think you can just chalk that up to bullshit, but I didn't realize that my friends were so influential during that time. I, I, I had no idea, but now that I think back, I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess they probably were. Yeah, but look at it now. All of us have an influence on how we behave, like 100%, whether you want to agree with it or not, right now. Like mm-hmm. the things we do, I mean, like I probably would have gotten to bow hunting if it wasn't for you. I mean, so there's like, it still happens to stay. You're kind of a product of, you know, the, the top five friends you hang out with for sure. Yeah, I, I Other than like, I haven't adapted or adopted Jared's eating habits nor lifestyle. Ooh. Well, but, yeah, I mean, you know, we're not picking up other people's bad habits. True. Yeah. I, yeah I it's just, I, you guys haven't, you haven't quelled me into doing the Zeus. That's true. You're not <laughs> or Zins, whatever they are. Like, yeah, yeah. That's I've, true. Never, I've never been pushed into nicotine. <laughs> well, we're not like pushy friends. Like, we yeah. don't try. I'm hey, like, man. <laughs> I was sleepy one meeting, one meeting, and I was like, Evan, can I just try one of those stupid gums you chew? And fuck me, man. Damn it. I haven't I'm had one nicotine. today, though. I haven't had one today. Good job. Nope, it's, about good. Little, good. it's about little, I got the little Tom Hanks in my right hand right now. <laughs> I got back on the gum. Uh, I, I think they just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just got back on the gum. I could for like six months and then I just got back on the gum. It's like, yeah, well, I tried I back on it. Quit drinking yesterday from 10 a.m. to about two and then two. <laughs> myself right. offered myself a white claw and no, I had to take it. You know? That piece of shit, you know. <laughs> I just keep getting influenced by I myself. I just keep getting influenced by myself. So, like, as we start to unwrap this thing, <laughs> like all these other things that are going on, what's what's everyone's take on on Mattis? What's what's you know coming out is. As far as you know, he what, what what was his exact quote that Trump is dividing the country and ultimately something doing something contradictory to the Constitution or something like that? I think that was the one that was most highlighted. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I got to do research, dude. I've been living on a rock. I haven't read one newspaper in our newspaper news story in like four days. So you're gonna have to yeah, the you most have to let me in on. I that. saw was that letter from John Dowd today. You know that kind of just highlighted a lot of things. I mean, I, I can't, I don't know these, I don't know these people at that level. You know what I mean? Like right. Mattis had a, had a two plus year relationship with the president working directly underneath him, like working with him every day. Like, so it's like, I can't, you can't discredit somebody when he says something like when he, when he has more of a relationship than I do and has more of a no, more of a clearance than I do. So it's like, I, I, I just don't know. It's like, you don't know what to, what to believe these days. And you don't know where some of this stuff is coming from, because if you were to take his initial statements and just read those in a vacuum and not look at that letter that John Dowd wrote today, like John Dowd had a r- lot of really good points that were kind of like, Hey, what about this? So uh, can you remember any of those points? 
summarize just cliff note Jared style for us. Like nobody's going to, nobody's going to hold us to this. No, it's just, he was, he was saying, where were you during these situations? Where was your leadership during this? You know, you were relieved under central command from Obama for X, Y, and Z. He's like, he's like, so if you're going to essentially sit here on your high horse and throw, uh, throw stones at, at, at this, like you, you were in situations that are, are, are somewhat, you know, similar, I guess, like where you're in a situation where you're in charge and you have to make a decision and you don't know if that decision is correct. You know, you, John Dowd was also pointing out that Obama did use uh, the military to dispel uh, civic unrest. Uh, did you read, did you read the letter? No, you sent me the link right before the podcast. And oh, I was, okay. I was busy. All right. Um, but I'll have to, so it, we'll have to publish the link to that to see if, or just yeah, you know, Google, it, went Google out today. it. We don't have to publish it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm now wondering though, like, does Mattis answer that? Like, because if it goes unanswered, there were a lot of things in there that, that Mr. Dowd was like nailing him, nailing him with. And this comes from a very well-respected Marine officer. Right. So. I've just been trying to check out the news because everything's yeah. so crazy right now. I just need a quick <laughs> hiatus from everything. You know, God, the riots, the how looting. Can, how can you? Police departments getting disbanded and shit. I'm you like, right, dude, I need a, I need a, I need because, a water break. Give me a siesta from fucking yeah, the news. Now you can't, you can't even, you can't even opt out because people want to attack you if you're not saying anything. Even social media, man. Everywhere I look, it's just, just people Trash. arguing, and it's just yeah. hot air, and there's no action behind it. I'm like, oh. someone though that I always argue with on Facebook, like once a morning. Uh, he's actually a friend of all of ours. I'll tell you who he is later, but. Uh, I always, he is, he is very left leaning. He lives in Silicon Valley. He is very on that side of things. And I go after him hard on a regular basis. But this morning I commented on something that's his and I, I said, Hey, it's, it's, it's time that, that we start firing these people that were put in charge that raised millions of dollars in campaign money that took these positions. It's time to start saying it's, it, you're not doing your job and you're done. You're gone. Like we're gonna replace you now, and he actually agreed with me this morning. So I was like, "All right, Look at we're that. getting somewhere." Look at that. <laughs> well, I guess that's the thing with you know, as we as we touch on this this whole defunding police departments. I, I guess I'm really confused. I'm confused over the whole thing, and I think you know, I, I haven't necessarily checked out, but it's really hard for me to figure out how this entire thing is going to work. Instead of yeah. holding politicians accountable. You know, your representatives that, that were elected to write legislation and laws, you're going after the police that enforce the law. And I understand completely that, you know, there are, there are men and women out there that have access to grind and, you know, by no means are we condoning or I'm condoning murder or, or racism or any of those things. I'm just saying that the vast majority of police have incredibly difficult positions. They're on the front lines in our communities every day doing amazing things. And it's statistically impossible to hire hundreds of thousands of law enforcement throughout the United States and get it right every time. It's, it's statistically impossible, actually. And I just don't quite understand, though, there's so much uh, direct hatred towards the police and not enough towards the elected officials that we essentially voted and hired 
to write and enforce. And then we woke up a week ago and said, hey, this is wrong. But then we've been voting and electing people every two to four years for as long as I think the country's been around, at least as, as long as my lifetime. So where is the accountability from the from our elected officials and where are they stepping in and where have they stepped in? No, they're pointing the finger below them. Like that's what this, that's what this is, is they're pointing the finger down. I I think there's a lot. I think nobody's stepping in front and saying, this is my fault. You know, we haven't done enough in our community to write, you know, impactful legislation that, that directly represents what the community wants. Nobody's no, no politician is doing that because they're weak. They're, they're pathetic. Most of them. And that's, and I think that that's well, where the only thing they care about usually, uh, is there, is there a job getting reelected? And yeah. 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 It's, it's, and then, then it, by any means necessary. No, it's hard. Cause especially if you're, you're given so much, you know, blanket hate to the, the law enforcement guys. I, I would imagine if I was a good cop who really cared about my community and then I'm getting spit on and called a racist every day, I might look for other employment and you're going to, you're going to lose some really good guys and gals. I think consistently just blanket throwing hate it's it's the wrong answer i think your your comments are great going back to elected politicians and how do we have reform that changes the culture if the culture is fucked up in a local law enforcement agency like let's let's fix it but to fucking do why are we looking at the leadership is is, is exactly the question down like yeah exactly like it's time to say you guys you you guys were put in the position to to be in charge it happens all the time you know, I, it happens all the time. If we look back, even uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the last 20 years of of politicians at the federal level. You know, you, if you don't agree with the Iraq war and you think that we invaded it based on, you know, non-principles or, or a lack of principles, uh, you, you had the opportunity to elect a new leader and a new administration, right? The, the Bush administration got eight years. They got two terms. You know, a lot of people say, well, it was a, you know, the, the first election with Gore wasn't, shouldn't have been counted because of the voting or whatever. It's too close to count ultimately. But you gave somebody two terms and there was a massive redistribution of wealth in the Middle East from the taxpayer to the military industrial complex because we we're fighting two wars, right? In Afghanistan and Iraq. And I would say with no clear objectives. And you had an entire administration that didn't have any military background. So, you know, kudos to you guys. You know, Dick Cheney had zero military training. He had zero military background. So why, again, am I listening to a group of people that have never been to war? And the one guy that had been to war, which is Colin Powell, left. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, you're planning in a vacuum. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't care if anybody disagrees with me at the end of the day. You know, I fought in Iraq for almost five years. I, I, I've earned the right to say whatever the fuck I want to say about that country because I put in more miles and more miles late at night than 99% of the people that stepped into that fucking place. So it was a shit show. And the reason it was a shit show was there was a lack of leadership from the fucking top. There was lack of vision and, nobody, and objective. And nobody could decide what victory really meant. And then you go to Afghanistan, you replicate that for 20 years. You redistribute trillions of dollars in taxpayers. Meanwhile, the Chinese and the Russians are just basically saying, fuck yeah, 
we're going to play this on a more strategic level and implement a hundred year plan, a hundred year visions while you guys are fucking around in the Middle East and Central Asia. Not that you're just fucking around, but we have real enemies out there that mean to do us harm. And we've had a failure of administration in elected officials for decades because they've been more concerned about being reelected and redistributing wealth to their donors than taking care of the people. I see this as a direct failure in leadership from the top. And I don't blame the, the law enforcement community because I think the vast majority of them go to work every day and they love their communities, their family men, their wives, their husbands, their people that serve their community honorably every day. But I think this is a, if there's something wrong, it's the people that we've been electing year after year after year. I mean, Obama was no better, two terms, right? He's, he's the only president to kill American citizens overseas with, you know, predator strikes in Yemen. He killed American citizens. He didn't, he didn't burn down Getmo. He didn't pull us out of Afghanistan. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke, man. And, and for me, when I look at it, it's like, you know, we, we, we have had a failure from the very top of these administrations and no change has been implemented. But this is my two cents. I think that I've earned it in the sense of I've earned my two cents. That's about eight cents. I think, I think you gave us eight cents. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you can, you can agree or disagree. I'm sure there's plenty of people who disagree. Like there are bad men that may, that mean to do us harm and we should be pursuing them internationally every day and eliminating them from the fucking planet. Like there's just zero doubt in my mind. Now, large scale military occupations in countries. Now that is a, that, that we have learned, at least hopefully we've learned that that's not, that's not a winning tactic, man. We fuck mm. that up. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's not a very simple thing. Right. And I, you know, I think a lot of people of us look like, look at it in that lens as far as how much money we spent on uh, campaigns, not necessarily worth it. And uh, talking about a specific theater, I'm just saying in general across the years, and that money could have been allocated towards inner city education. It could have been allocated towards streets and things that actually impact the American citizen in a super more beneficial way. Um, but then again, we elect those people that do that. So you know. Yeah, another redistribution of wealth during the Obama administration to the banking industry. So the banks fuck up our entire economy. And then the taxpayer is left holding the bag. We have to pay for it. We have to write the checks. Yeah, nobody loses, I, nobody was, loses their job. I was, I was, <laughs> nobody loses their job. Nobody goes to jail. Well, nobody loses their job. Like it's a, it's a, okay. Well, yeah, I get the frustration. Don't worry about that. Little but, guy. but it's like, I get there. I get, I get people are frustrated. I am too. I'm frustrated and pissed off. Right. You can't eliminate law enforcement and take away our right to bear arms. That's just fucking stupid. You can't say defund law enforcement in Los Angeles County and say, oh, hey, by the way, we're also going to try to take your guns. That's Why crazy, do you need man. guns if you That's have the crazy. police? Huh? Why do you need guns if you have the police? <laughs> yeah. We don't want the police. Anymore. That's one of my favorite arguments is when someone's like, uh, you know, anti-police, but then also give the police will protect you. It's a bizarre form of thinking that I've never been able to rationalize with. Like they, 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 The Los Angeles County mayor said that he's defunding, I, and I don't know, I think it's, I'm just trying to get the appropriate amount of information, yeah. defunding to the tune of like $150 million in Los Angeles. And at the same time, California is one of the most gun restrictive states in the union. And then you have 
you know, Hollywood Criminals. out there, Hollywood going, yeah, we need to defund the police. Well, that's great when you're worth a couple hundred million dollars. You can afford a private militia. What about everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, isn't that the funny thing? It's like the, the anti-gun um, uh, lobbyists down in that section of the world or, or, or country. And then they turn right around. And we've talked about this plenty of times before. But like turn around and hire, a you know, a private security detachment of, you know, former stop guys that have, you know, pistols on them. And you're like, bit of a hypocrite. No, just a bit, a bit of a hypocrite there. You, you like the, the, the safety and the sanctuary of having an armed citizen next to you. Yet you're trying to pull that right away from the people that don't have the money to hire someone to protect them. It's up to their own selves. So it's, I, I don't know. I feel like this world is so hard to rationalize with right now. It, it absolutely is. There is no, there is no, logic to a lot of the things that are being said or thrown around or nothing like that. I mean, it's just like, you know, they, uh, the, the Austin headquarters for police was just completely ransacked and like, like, like they, they, they went up and graffitied the whole thing and stuff like that. What well, was like, no one in Austin PD committed this. Like, why, why wouldn't you, this was, you know, this was in Minneapolis. Why wouldn't you at least go, Hey, at least in my community, I think we're doing, we're doing a little better than over there. Yeah. Like, like, why are you going and fucking up your own shit in your own neighborhood? Which one way or another is coming out of their pocket. Yes, exactly. And that's like the thing with me. It's, you know, my dad always pushed about taxes when I was younger. I never got it. But like how much you pay these days in taxes. It's not like, I think people just get conditioned like, Oh, it just comes out of my paycheck every day. It's like 35 to 45% of your overall fucking income goes in to the government. And then you have these elected politicians who are fucking moronic spending it in every way possible other than benefiting yourself. And then now it's like you got these fucking looters and vandalizers that are fucking up all this stuff. Who is going to pay for it? The government. Who pays the government? Who works for us? You. Us. They work for us. Yeah. And it's like, I, I like, it hurts my fucking brain to even think about it, especially you know, how much fucking taxes you pay when you own a business and the trickle down effect of every transaction paying. It's just, they hit you like fucking nine times, man. It's like, it's real money. It's real money. Yeah. If the police get defunded, I doubt they're going to give us a kickback, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Even the police and give everybody a Glock stipend. But there was, was it, did you guys see That's that video clip? I think it was in Los Angeles. There's a woman holding a sign that says, you know, do away with police. And a bunch of people around them start messing up this guy's store, and he comes out with a chainsaw. Yeah, I saw that. Yelling, "Call nine one one!" Like, like you can, like, can you imagine? And I'm gonna get a little like, like gross here. But when you sit down and have a conversation with these people, like, I just want to look at a woman, and I would never ever do this. I am the antithesis of what I'm about to say. But like, I can get in your house at night, and I could fucking murder you. Do whatever I want to you. Who's going to stop me? Like, I want I want to put people in that fucking bubble. Put the cat in the bathtub. How are you going to react? Your child well, goes well, missing. Well, well. Yeah, sort those yeah. fucking ideas in your head. Exactly. Your and child goes missing on in a fucking Costco. Who do you call? Right. Yeah. Who are you calling? You, gonna call? you, gotta, you gotta get all the community hey, organized together. together. Community together, dude, motherfucker. Like, are you like? And I'm. And this is not like defending every police officer. It's just like the idea and notion that you're gonna defund the police department. Like, maybe you should be trying to reform and, and go through some form of <laughs> further education or training procedure to whatever. Right? There's like 900 ways you can look at this, and I don't know which one's right, but it's lunacy. It's absolutely fucking lunacy. Well, it's not a solution. 
is what it is. No, it's, it's an emotional temporary not a solution. Fix. It's a, it's a knee jerk reaction. Nothing they're promoting promoting yeah. is an actual solution. And, and it's an experiment at the end of the day. Like Minneapolis is going to be an experiment. They voted yeah. to defund their police department. Who knows what that looks like? And the way oh, that I think this looks like is, is it, what happens, right? What, what happens if all the police go home? Well, what uh, happens this morning? Didn't over 40 take early retirement and 14 resigned. Like, so they're already starting the beginning of the but, landslide. But what, what happens? What are the vast yeah. majority? Yeah, that's that's what I'm asking. What do you guys think happens at, in this it. time? Well, the scary all the cops are gone. Yeah. They, they leave. So, you know, I was just thinking about this today. And actually, my wife and I have been going to the range on a more uh a more standard cadence, by the way, just, uh-huh. just so we all know. <laughs> and she's killing it, man. She has a ten, like a ten inch group at twenty five with wow. the Glock forty three. She is nailing it, and the STIs. Oh my gosh, smoking it. That's but awesome. We are talking about it. And here's my wife, and my wife is not political. She, she's, if anything, she's, she's, you know, center right, right. She's pretty centrist. She's like. This is scary to think. We lived right across the street in Salt Lake City from one of the the largest parks, Liberty Park, for several years. And there were tent cities and people doing drugs and people dealing drugs. And, you know, there were rapes in the park. There were there was a lot of violent crime and drugs in the park. And we have two little kids and there are four different swing set places within Liberty Park and around there to the point of which. They were getting rid of the tent cities, and when I say getting rid, like they were, they were making the homeless people move to different areas of town because parents couldn't bring their kids to the park because you're afraid of stepping on a hypodermic needle, or you're you know afraid of being robbed, or you're afraid of being accosted in some way, and you know we would see it every day downtown not every day but every week there would be there was like a naked man walking down the street in front of our house like with a tennis racket one day just like hitting the fence we found hypodermic needles in our backyard and I'm like do you think this is all just going to go away <laughs> do people just maybe, think maybe, this is maybe, all just going to go away magically it's because fix it's the police is it's the police's fault that there are hypodermic needles and drug it's, dealers. It's but a hu- it's a human problem. Once we get rid of the police, all the problems will go away. No, is that their logic? Is that what they're thinking? That makes sense. It does. Maybe that's what it needs. Like a week with no law enforcement. Well, everybody's like, okay, we fucked here's up. Here's the but. problem with that, though: is are all those city are all nine of those city council members going to be fired? If Minneapolis, if Minneapolis just fucking goes to shit, turns into a third world country overnight. Are we holding are we holding those city council members accountable for their for their decision that they made? They should face the consequences and be charged with all the shit that happens following it. I mean, because they made the decision. Did they not? The future is going to tell us. (laughs) I I have no idea what that's going to shake out like. I got to do some more research tonight because I'm this is crazy. But their entire the entire platform is. You know, I, I, don't get me wrong. There is plenty of things that I don't agree with on the conservative side too. So this is going to be a bit hazy. But so, what does it look like? Open borders, no law enforcement, 
mm. and no guns because that from my from my perspective that's a big part of their agenda right open borders no law enforcement and no guns what does that world look like what does america look like at that point have you ever seen the movie uh, escape from new york <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah of course I, I have a firm belief that Texas will just become its own country and Seriously. it'll be the greatest country in the world. And I live in it. So God bless you, Texas. <laughs> Let's keep it safe. I mean, it, it looks like a place like Iraq. Like the police, the police is busy. You know, the police in Iraq are not near as, as many as we have over here. And they're busy doing other shit rather than policing people on a regular basis. So it's like, yeah, you, you go into where neighborhoods are ran by tribal leaders, gangs become the new, you know, they rise power. up. Yeah. They become yeah. the new power. And, and then you get an expansion of territory based off of that amount of power you have yeah. until you get to this point where it's, you know, a leader who really doesn't care about the community. They're just wanting to expand what they're, Power influence, and then when you have lots of power, you're not head to, held to a moral or ethical standard. No, you're corrupt. At least right now, politicians that act hyper unmorally can't just go out and murder people. But when you're uh, in a gang, I mean, if you speak bad about the gang, you probably don't show up to your meeting in the morning. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying, because they sneak in your house, turn off the lights, and blow your fucking head off. I mean, look at cartels, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's terrifying. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's terrifying to think. And I think that that's probably the, the 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 misplaced logic in some of this, which is, I think people live such isolated and protected lives, where, you know, they think, especially when when when, I, when I'm looking at this, I'm talking about mainly people from Hollywood that keep posting about this. Like they don't know a fucking thing about crime. They don't know a fucking thing about any of these urban cities. Yeah. So where I think where where I was paused, which I'm not exactly sure because I just get kind of wound up, Spun up. fucking talking. No, I, 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 going back to my, my previous point, which I don't know the clear objective to these things. I, 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 I wholeheartedly and completely agree with people's right to protest because it's freedom of speech. They're, they're entitled to the right to protest. They're entitled to free speech. Like that's, I'm, principled in that like violence towards other Americans, like American violence on top of or towards other Americans. Like it's very discouraging and disheartening. It's sad to see the country that you love just going at each other. Like, and it's, you know, to your point, just tuning out of social media and trying to disconnect a little bit, but it's, it's difficult because you know, how many, how many law enforcement officers do we know? And they're, amazing people. They're incredibly generous. They're family people. They're community people. They, they go out and serve their communities every day. And you have a shitbag cop like from a city in Minneapolis that did a fucking horrible thing. But I know that's not, you know, my buddy Ed in Idaho. I know that's my, that's not my buddy Mike in Seattle. I know that's not the the majority of the cops that we know from around the United States that we're really good friends with, they're not racist. They love their communities. They, they go to work every day because they love their cities. They love their families. They love their, their, the people that they serve to even include, you know, Dan was a cop in Baltimore mm -hmm. and you know, our, 
our uh, chief of staff, he's a cop in Baltimore. We've got a ton of uh, police officers here. It's, you, you know, that's not them. You know, <laughs> you know, that's not them. They're fucking great people. So it's, it's really sad, man. It's sad to see, I think, a bunch of great people being lumped in in this conversation. And it's, it's sad that people are going after innocent people, you know, businesses that had nothing to do with this, you know, breaking windows and burning to the ground and it, going after each other in the community in such an unproductive and violent way is, is it's really disheartening. It really is. The emotion runs out here soon. We can actually get to like rebuilding some of these communities and get back to like things that are actually going to change it for the better in the future rather than feel like we're just kind of, you that's know, what I mean. that's what I mean. The, parents people, are the people that are trying to defend this too, they're like, no, this will show them that things have to change. What, who are you showing? Because you didn't fire any of your fucking politicians. You just fucked your whole city up. So it's like, who did you show? Yeah. Like now you have to drive an extra 20 minutes to get groceries because you burned your target down. <laughs> Who did you, you fucking show? Do you get groceries at Target? Yeah, just super targets. Yeah. I guess they have it's a, a good section point. there. I figured you're more of a Walmart guy. I mean, whatever's closer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it still is an interesting conversation where the, I don't, I, I, I just, it's hard for me to imagine how this entire thing starts to fold out. And I think from a strategic level, I think the, the, I think the Chinese and the Russians are, are, and, and this is where I get a little bit conspiratorial, but I think, you know, this is a principle of warfare that goes back thousands of years, which is divide and conquer. And a country that is divided is much easier to manipulate. It's much easier to to get your desired result. And if we just pay attention to more strategic level politics and what's happening in the international community and we think, oh, so do you think that we might be a little bit manipulated to come after each other in a way that's very detrimental to the country? You know, where you hit America, where it hurts is our is our strengths. Our strengths are the economy, freedom of speech, right to bear arms. So you start, yep. but you, you start punching that in yep. the gut. Well, you can't fuck with us militarily right now, right? So you have to kind of go from the, the. You have to do. You have you, to have a different tactic. Yeah, you got to. You got to plant a cancer in there and let it grow, and hopefully take everything out. Yeah, there's a there's a great video I've referenced it before on the the KGB's it's a KGB officer you can find on YouTube and he's talking about information operations propaganda and the direct uh the direct propaganda IO campaign that the Soviets started back in the 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 30s and 40s in the United States and when you start looking at those things you know I don't think our communities are as divided as the media and social media would 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 let you believe and it's not that I'm living in a bubble. Like I've, it's I. We don't live in a in a in a in a in a, in a bubble, so to speak, right? We have Wait, a lot of service. We've talked about this before too. That's part of like I think the social media stuff. We want the most dramatic fucking story right now, right, right. here. And which which title is going to get more? Like white cop helps you know African American community. They all band together and have a fucking barbecue or. Racist cop, so da 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 da. Yeah. Which right. you're going to click on that one, right? And like that's the unfortunate thing is like 
you know, all these platforms that are monetized off of impressions and higher SEO and all these other marketing strategies, they're completely applicable, not only to like corporate entities, but moreover news, because the more views news gets, their advertisers pay them more. And, and like, I think people have to realize like, you know, it's like neo-capitalism. We're all run off of making money. That's, and I love a capitalistic society, but you have to be intelligent enough to navigate through it because People, they're giving you what you want to see. There's reason that we all know what right. the word algorithm works because they're look at your suggested feed on your Instagram. They're giving you exactly what you want. What, they're even they know placing ads reaction. with fucking photos that you like and then rolling into a product set right after they sell it to you. It's like you have to at least have that cognitive like ability to understand that we're just getting marketed to for all these platforms. That's what they're doing. And And, and if they create hyperbole and they create all this trash that just makes you want to click on it. You're going to click on it. Guess what? You just got them paid. Well, I don't think that people could even comprehend that. I posted this in a, one of our coffee or die articles it was like, there's a 2019 report that showed that there was a, a Russian independent group called the IRA, the IRA internet, internet research agency, but yeah. that they were creating posts uh, around the 2016 election time specifically targeted towards the black community to try and pour gas on the fire for division between Americans, essentially. So you bet your ass that that's going on right now. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like, even at this point, like, because the media has gone so dumb lately, it's like, we could blow this open and tell everybody in the country that this is what happened. And a good majority wouldn't buy it. They'd be like, no, no. <laughs> but it, it, it's in, you know, I was telling Logan this earlier. I'm listening to the, the Mueller reports 20 hours long. I'm halfway through it. And it, it talks a lot about the Russian influence in the election. You, you had hundreds of, of people that were posting hundreds of thousands of posts and they were seeing tens of millions in Facebook estimates. They couldn't estimate what, how many times Instagram had been seen on their posts, but in Facebook specifically, they had at least 10% of the country was seeing directly manufactured Russian propaganda propaganda on a regular news cycle leading into on a regular cycle leading into the election. And they were doing it for both sides, by the way. They were sowing discontent. It goes back to the whole thing divide, right? If we think that the Russians are our friends, if we think that, you know, we're just like you know, singing Kumbaya, Kumbaya in the international community. That's the, I'm, I'm telling you right now, like as a guy that has like worked against Russian intelligence has worked against, you know, when I say worked against that direct capacity, indirect capacity, but, they are not our friends. Let's break that down <laughs> on a cellular level. Like a microcosmic example of that would just be like when you meet some trash fucking acquaintance and they say that one of your friends called you a piece of shit and was flirting with your girl at a party, right? Just making uh, an example yeah. here. And then you're like, fuck that dude, fuck him. And right. And then one day, two years later, after this whole thing went down and you guys didn't talk to each other and hate each other, you're like, I can't believe it. he's like, what? I wasn't even at that party, dude. Why don't you call me? Well, well, Brad said, <laughs> and all you had to do was sit down with this supposed left and right that are so polarizing different and be like, Oh, we're actually kind of not that, that different. Maybe we should focus on the shit that matters to us, you know? And it's, I think that that is a decent example of what what goes on, and people are just feeding us trash to to be more sensitive and and more defensive and have less educated conversation and more emotional conversation because that's how they win. Yeah, it seems like you know taking the 
conversation at the beginning of the episode and, and like it's, it seems like there's an overall leadership issue yeah. within yeah. the company where it's like why, why are we not in this time of crisis why are we not like putting together these public forums where we can have these conversations and, and work out the middleman which is the media like there, there's we, there's a couple different things that we could do here to try and bridge the gap but it doesn't seem like any any of that it, it's just outrage and it's just anger and it doesn't feel like we're trying to connect at all. I completely agree. And it's yeah. like, it's weird. Like you have liberals and Democrats pissed off and you know, I'm, I'm, I don't really talk about politics too much, but like the best you're going to give us is Biden. Dude can't even put a sentence together. Like how, like, can we get, yeah, that's the best can, you can come up can with. Can we get some fucking people on both sides that believe in America? Like, come he's on, been like, like, like politics for 44 years. Yeah. And he's, he, he's been in politics since or before I was born. Yeah. <laughs> before I was born. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, I, like, it's, and like, how do you even like, you know, I try not to be just like a guy that says, I don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to tune out of it because I care so much. But at the end of the day, it's like, how do you make a difference on that level? Right. Like, I don't know the way I, 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 I that's a question. All I can say is I know where I want to impact my community and that's why I'm so involved in the veteran community because we can sway civilians to have a better understanding of who we are and, uh, you know, help in transition and reassimilation and dealing through mental and physical issues that we sent people to war that, that came back with them. Like, I know I can impact that. It's, it's, it's a very, it starts small and we can make it big, but how do you impact change on, on the grand level? Like, I don't, I'm too stupid. Uh, yeah, I'm too stupid for that one too. I don't, I don't have enough capacity for that. You know, I think, you know, for us, just as a company, I think, you know, we have our, our, our mission, right? We have a very focused mission and who we're directly trying to create positive impact in the veteran community. And when it says veteran, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's all inclusive. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's the entire veteran community, which encompasses every race and gender. And, you know, I think that's one of the benefits that we have uh, from being in service is you, know, you, it forces you outside of your comfort zone. It forces you to serve with people that live in different cities from all across America. And it forces you to open up your mind to different ideas and different communities that, it, that's just one of the the many benefits like Logan was saying, you know, he thinks that there should be some type of service requirement for Americans because it does create ownership, uh, ownership. You know, like Jay was saying earlier, he's like, dude, I've never been racist a day in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like he's, and it's, and I think there's a, there, there's something to be said for, you know, people that serve, they, they serve, the mission, they serve the constitution, they serve the country and the country is, you know, 330 plus million people from everyone. You don't decide, Oh, I'm just going to serve one section of the country. No, it's the country. It's a very diverse country and it's a, a beautiful grand experiment and having a democratic Republic. That's it. You know, a lot of people just tearing it down that you, that I truly, have so much love and admiration for, for the country itself. It's, it's really, it can be depressing, man. It can be really depressing to look at it because you're like, we're fucking way better than this. We're way better than this. Yeah. And I know we're better than this. It's 
what I see, you know, when you flip through the news and you see it in social, it's like, man, that's, that doesn't represent my company. That doesn't represent me. That doesn't represent my family, but we're better than this as a country for sure. Like we're, we're fucking way better than this. Uh, I don't know how many times I have to say that, but <laughs> well, yeah. I don't think, I don't think people have a willingness to look at America's glass as being half full at all right now. Like we're only focusing on the negative, but like us, if, like we were just in Guatemala, like you, you do a, a quick comparison. They're like, it's fucking wonderful here. Yeah. And yes, we're going through our issues, but is it not the best that it's ever been in America? Like, yeah. We Information support. share is the highest. Connectivity is the highest it's ever been. And what we're, what we're using the information share right now is to fucking bitch at each other. Yeah. We're like, using these platforms. In, yeah, like, and that's a great point. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Share's a little fucking squeaky. We're going to replace this one after this. But, it's yeah. just, it's yes, point. we're at the highest point of our ability to share data and information rather than using that to our advantage and tracking the fucking focus point of where the problems are and, and sharing it. Teleport someone in from like, you know, the 1800s. And you're yeah. like, check this out. We have the internet. We can talk to anybody. And they're like, Oh my God, what are we doing? Are we, are we curing? No, we're you know, calling each other. Idiots. No, we're calling yeah. each other idiots and uh, setting <laughs> our own communities on fire. Wait, what? Why? Wait, why? <laughs> uh, we're trying to figure that out right now. <laughs> We don't quite understand. And it's not a laughing matter, you know, but like it, you have to find some comedic relief in, in trial times, but man, I, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, a good example of that is we were driving around Guatemala in a armored car. Like the guy that we were like our coffee broker was like, Hey, you guys can take my car. We get in it. And we're like, wait, these doors are really heavy. It's like, oh yeah, you need it around here. Oh yeah, you need it around here. Like, when was the last time you even thought about having an armored car in the, the worst? <laughs> I have to Ever? remember to lock my truck sometimes. I'm like, yeah, probably lock that thing. Yeah, like you, we have to remember to. I have to remember to lock the front door. Half the time, it doesn't even get locked. It sets the truth too. And I think that that's a lot of this is, is not a lot of people. And it's a very positive thing in American society. Haven't like faced those types of issues where them going to the grocery store requires a lot of logistics because they could get kidnapped. They could be shot. They could be robbed. And I know there are portions of that in the country, but not even close to what we deal with in the international community. And so no one knows what that feels like. And I think that's like kind of going back to like, you know, you know, having a police department disbanded. Like, you guys really want that? Like to have that, that, that nice little buffer, that safety measure. You know, the resource. Yeah, because you know, you know, who's just over here, like doing one of these numbers, like getting excited? Criminals, right? That, that, they're like so excited. They're like, oh my god, there's gonna be so much opportunity. Yeah. Well, I I heard the, no the narrative. I heard the narrative, which was we just needed more. They, that they were talking about was we needed more economic reinforcement and opportunities in a lot of these communities. And I and I said, yeah, I would agree with that statement. There there yeah. does need to be more economic opportunities. I think the socioeconomic injustices. Obviously, there's there's a system in place, and there are there are wrongs that need to be righted. I don't disagree with any of those things. I disagree with the other articulation and the other points that were if you're just going to invest in different communities and you think that the problems are just going to disappear that's completely inaccurate that's you you have 
there are people in, believe it or not, and I don't think any of our listeners would actually disagree with this, but there are, there are people in the United States that regardless of how much opportunity or wealth they have, they're just fucking bad people. And if you don't agree with that, you can head on down to Wall Street and fucking take a look and see all the people that have all the economic opportunity in the world. Yeah, go to D.C. <laughs> I you was know, disgusted people, at the fucking attitude there when I was There are that. people that are just exploitive in nature, regardless. Yeah. It, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't just come from one specific portion of the community. It's just there are bad people. And so when you look at it and you read stories about New York, like back in the early eighties, like New York city and how, how crime ridden it was and how dangerous it was, man, New well, York no, is a pretty cool place at this point. Like it's not bad, not compared to what it, what it was. Yeah. And it only gets worse. You know, power is like the most important currency of evil people. And you know, if you, if you give them power, it, it, they have so much more of an ability to impact so much more people negatively. It's, it's fucked. It's fucked. Mm. Yeah. It is I got fucked. nothing else for this. You know, I, I was just fucked. <laughs> so down. Yeah. I, sorry, man. I shouldn't have brought the whole, whole group down on this. No. I just, no, I, no, it's it was good. good. We had a good weekend. We'll end this on a positive note. Yeah. What are you? Because I want to know what you guys have been doing up at uh, Salt Lake City. We had uh, our buddy Fish in Town, who's Granger Smith's lead guitar player, amazing human, oh, uh, wrote two two banger songs that uh, we got the music back today because we tracked and wrote all the lyrics together. And we're gonna lay some lyrics down today and tomorrow. And think think you guys will be real real excited for the direction that these two go. Yes. What do you guys been up to? We are going um, to the wilderness this week. Mm. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got a series of coffee videos that we're going to knock down, uh, and that's Thursday. Is that when we're taking off? Thursday, Friday, yeah. Thursday, Friday. So we're we're prepping to go up there and do that, knock down some standard stuff. My my wife isn't that interesting. It's like a lot of meetings. I did a whole finance thing last week, so I'm starting a new new project on you know, with the finance guys and like, it's actually kind of, kind of boring, but it's super fun for me. So I'm doing that. We launched our sticker club, which I was super pumped yeah, about. Yeah, the did. sticker club. Yeah. Sticker club was great. Oh yeah. We'll just throw that up there. Ooh, 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 ooh. Man, I love that NASA BRC sticker. I can't wait for that. I shirt. know that shirt is going to be so amazing. sexy. Probably just going to get a hundred of those and wear them every day. Well, we have a wide variety of those too. So we're coming out with some fantastic sticker and apparel options. Everybody's going to be stoked because they're, they're really cool. And we've been working on a bunch of free range American designs. Yep. So we're going to launch some free range American designs. I did uh, see that question under some of the comments. When is there going to be a free range American shirt and that stuff? So we are building that merchandising so you guys can rock it soon. if you would like. So we, we appreciate it. They'd be classy. I'm going to be wearing them a lot. Yeah. I can't wait for them. Like I'm, I'm super excited. We've kicked off our personal products initiative, uh, which the vault is coming soon. Yeah. We got, uh, we got we're all going to have uh, all of our favorite little things, nicknoids that we like ourselves. What else you guys been up to down there in Texas? All the things, Logan. Flying yeah. every day. I'll, I'll fill you in on Thursday on our owner's brief where we sit and chat about life. <laughs> life. Okay. Well, it's okay. been good, fellas. I uh, thank you. You know, it's been a it's been don't an get, interesting Don't get mad, Logan. There's nothing ever exciting. Like, what am I supposed to say? It's like I was at meetings. I uh, was working on some biz dev stuff. You know, that's not that's not exciting. 
No, it's not. Music's exciting for me. Put my kids in a video with Brandon. (laughs) I started learning the piano. I'm like three hours into it. Yeah, I'm like three hours into it. So that's pretty cool. I started learning the xylophone about three minutes into it. (laughs) It's an expensive instrument to buy. (laughs) Well, I didn't get a piano. I got a. No, I'm talking about the xylophone. Wait, should I start learning piano and see if you can get better quicker? Oh, that would be funny. You already have a music background. That seems like a cop out from a very competitive person. I, I, I'm learning music. I'm learning music at the same time. For the time. first time. <laughs> For the first time. So I think that there's a distinct competitive advantage. Okay. Okay. But maybe I get a three month head start. I don't know. All right. We'll sort it. <laughs> well, cool beans. Always good to talk with you guys. I'm sure we'll be on the phone call later tonight or tomorrow morning. But um, yeah. Right. Hell yeah. See you guys. Bye, guys.